We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Monday night after the Timberwolves' first loss of the season. It was Wolves 98, New Orleans Pelicans 107. Honestly, it was just a really bizarre game. It was a game that you watched it, you saw it started with a chaotic first quarter that included Carl Anthony Towns just again going off on the refs and the fans at Target Center chanting refs. You suck louder than any game I've ever covered uh, in person. Also, it was a game where neither Anthony Edwards nor D'Angelo Russell could really do anything in the first half. They shot a combined one of 14 in the first half. And then it was a game where uh, out of nowhere, Anthony Edwards scored 21 points in the third quarter. And then it was also a game where the Wolves just couldn't do anything in the fourth quarter or they couldn't gain any ground in the fourth quarter on their way to losing to a a pretty bad but pretty desperate uh, 0-3 New Orleans Pelicans team. And then and then I thought the real sort of kicker of the night was a trio of post-game interviews from from Cat, Patrick Beverly, and then and then Anthony Edwards. And really as I'm I'm, I'm sitting here back home recording this after that post-game press conference, it's it, it really struck me. Uh, Anthony Edwards what he sort of had to say after the game. And it, it, it made me realize that the the leadership dynamic on this team, I think, is is beginning to change. And again, yes, inside baseball here back home um, recording the show. Um, yeah, I, I think for the, you know, the newspaper writers and, and myself, you, you kind of you go to these games and, and you start thinking about, you know, what am I going to write? What am I going to talk about after the game? And it's kind of this particularly after a loss, it's kind of this like anxiety inducing <laughs> sort of 15 minutes where you don't really know what you're going to say. And that's because you don't really know what the coach and the players are going to say. Uh, I, I definitely felt that tonight. But then what almost always happens is, is that the players kind of write the story for you. And, and yeah, I thought that's what Anthony Edwards did tonight. So I guess I'll let him tell the story and, yeah, I mean Anthony Edwards is twenty years old, and and he's becoming a leader of the team. 
This is what Anthony Edwards had to say after the game. It just doesn't seem like these last two games, the offense is in a really good rhythm. Um, how do you, what do you think needs to happen for you guys to really maybe find a little bit more of that flow? Uh, we just got to be willing to share the ball. That's, that's it. Just that simple, just sharing the ball. And I think uh, everyone looks at this team and sees all the talent that you guys have, especially offensively to get bucks. Has it surprised you a little bit that, that it's been a little bit slower to come in, in this part of the season? Nah, not at all. That's exactly what you said. We think we're the only ones on the team. We got to be willing to pass the ball. It's no I in team. Can't beat five people with three people. Beat five people with five people. So we got to be willing to play with our teammates, trust our teammates. Like I said, share the ball. Do you think a game like this can kind of be a just a little bit of a, a wake-up call for you guys? Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. Lock in. Lock the fuck in. Everybody coming in here thinking it's sweet, playing the Pelicans with die ass. And then we backs on the wall at the end. We got to wake up. Is the lack of ball movement a matter of team chemistry maybe at this point? Nope. Nope. You got nothing to do with the chemistry. We got chemistry. We got to trust our teammates. That's it. Willing to pass the ball. What does it look like? Has there been any, any point in time in these first three games where it's looked like or, or the offenses looked like what you wanted to play? Um, preseason. That's it. Preseason, everybody's sharing the ball. Everybody happy. So when the season starts, everything changed. I, 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 I want to shoot this. I want to shoot that. Like, like Coach said in practice the other day, J.O. playing his balls off on defense. Don't get no shots on offense. Jaden plays balls off. Don't get no shots. B's running floor hard. Don't get no shots. So, B-Cat and D-Lo got to do a better job of getting them the ball because Coach draw everything up for us. So, we got to do a better job of getting them involved, making them feel wanted in the offense, not just on defense. And, you know what I'm saying? And uh, – you talked about it this preseason some. Coach talked about it some about how the defense of this team kind of seemed to almost be ahead of the offense, which was obviously different than, than last season. Um, does it feel – Carl was just kind of saying, like, maybe it was, like, too much focus on the defense and the, and the offense fell behind a little bit. What has what kind of the nature of that been when you look at what training camp has been on what this kind of feels like now? My defense wins championships. <laughs> so. It's never. It's, it's no such thing as too much focus on defense. Offense is easy. We making it hard. Us three, it's all on us. We making it hard because we think we can win a game. When we can't win a game, we're not good enough. So once again, we gotta trust our teammates. Get them the ball. Get them in open spots, open shots. Because then it's gonna make the game easier for us. How do you approach that as a leader? Uh, I'm gonna start speaking up sooner rather than later. You know, hopefully people listen and. We'll get it on track. Yeah, so I don't usually play those for that long, but I thought that was all important. And I'm actually going to play a little bit, another snippet here in a second. But I think for me, if a few years from now has become clear that Anthony Edwards has become a or the leader of this team, the kind of the alpha, I'll I'll, I'll remember tonight as sort of the, the first breadcrumb that that was coming because Ant doesn't normally talk like that. Um, he hasn't really taken the position of leader ever in his, you know, his public commentary. And I, I, I don't think, obviously, I don't think he, he meant that as a, 
any sort of attack on on Kat's leadership. I think his point was clear, you know, is to be, you know, that there's leadership to be shared on this team. And and it isn't my intention here either to, you know, to rip on Kat as a leader. Um, I think I think Kat is a strong leader in the sense that he is an incredible player and that carries a lot of weight in an NBA locker room. But, you know, for seven years in the league now, Kat has not yet proven to be an incredible leader himself. And I think that's important because in sports, teams take on the identity of their leader. You know, the, the best player often personifies the team. And if you watch tonight, you saw no, not only the team, but the entire sort of stadium be personified by Cat. You know, Cat was Cat wasn't getting his way early in the game, and he began flailing both physically and emotionally. And it was it was as much complaining to the refs in one quarter as I think we've ever seen from him. Yeah, again, he wasn't getting his way, and he was sort of went off the rails. Cat was Cat was showing up the refs for kind of the first nine minutes of the game, and then I, I think the ref was I made a bad call, but then the ref tried to show him up. It was it was a bad call, but the ref flailed back. There were three minutes and twenty three seconds left in the first quarter, and Cat got called for that dumb foul on on a screen. It was the second foul, so he had to sit down, and he again blew up on the refs. And the whole stadium blew up on the refs. It, again, booming refs, you suck chance. There was a very, and again, like, I don't, I don't think the refs did a great job here, but it's also, I don't know, there was just a disconnect between what Cat was interpreting was going on and what the refs believe was going on. And I think both parties had some blame, you know, to take there. I, I think, I think, Putting pressure on the refs is fine. You know, it's fine in ref in in moderation, right? Like refs make bad calls sometimes. But what we know with Cat is that it's often not in moderation. For those of you who I assume are watching Cat night in and night out, like, you know, this is becoming as much of Cat's identity as a basketball player as his his elite shooting is part of his identity. And as a leader, it's just not doesn't feel like what this team needs again because as a leader you personify the group and what that personification is defines your identity and it just didn't work tonight you know carl never calls out his teammates after games i've been in the locker room a hundred times with him after after these games and he consistently shoulders the blame for the loss which the majority of the time is not his fault. I understand the tactic. I understand that's that's a strategy, shouldering the blame as a leader. I mean, Kat said this in his post game tonight. I'm just going to read the quote, not play the clip. But he said, quote, when it comes down and you're a leader, when there's blame on the team, you have to be willing to have strong enough shoulders to take all the blame. And when you're given the glory to give it to everybody else, I'm willing to pay the, that price every single day. And I think that's a fine mentality i just i think you act that and you don't say it and I'm, I'm just not sure if ant's tactic of what he said what i just played for you isn't more effective i i think accountability feels like the right move here what i liked about ant's words were the fact that the accountability extended beyond himself and to the others on the team i mean it, he included himself as you hear here in the end of his post game 
Ant acknowledged that he wasn't there in the first half, but also acknowledged that when others aren't there, that it's becoming his job to still hold them accountable too. Here's Dan Devance press conference. It looked like in the end of the first quarter and then again early in the second quarter, Patrick Beverly really tore in you guys. Um, I'm not quite sure what he said, but after each time he came out and hit a three. Um, what, what does it say to you, um, you know, as a young player that, that, you know, as a leader already in this league, that you have somebody like Patrick Beverly on your team to not only hold you accountable, but, you know, hold everybody accountable when, you know, you aren't playing up to the standard that you guys want to play at? It's great. It's great to have him out there because uh, he's really as he gets. Uh, he's going to tell you, your ass ain't here today. You come to play or what? Third quarter, he said, welcome to the game, man. I wasn't here in the beginning of the game. I don't know why, but I learned from it. And we grow. Same thing with Cat and D-Lo. We all got to be on the same page. If, if me and Cat come to play and D-Lo don't come to play, we're not going to win again. If D-Lo and Cat come to play and I don't come to play, we're not going to win. All three of us got to come to play every game, 110%, and we got to be willing to share the ball. When it doesn't happen, where does that come from? Who's leading the charge of trying to bring everybody together? PB, PB, Torian Prince, uh, Jordan McLaughlin. You know, everybody instead of me, Cat, and D-Lo. You would say? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, because we we take all the shots. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be willing to lead and Speak up and correct each other when, when when we wrong for sure. There aren't a lot of guys probably with the gravity to feel like they can hold Cat and Dilo accountable. You're probably one of them. I mean, so does a lot of that fall on your shoulders when you see the things that you're not doing well, but also yeah. you're not doing well. Yeah, dude. Because I don't I don't say I don't really talk too much as far as like you know what I'm saying on the court. Or I let my game speak, lead, let my game lead. But now I see like I'm I'm gonna start talking more like as far as Hey, you need to lock in, bro. Like, pass the ball. Four people on your pass the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm going to start talking a lot more. I feel like it, 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 it'll be better coming from me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was Ant, post game. I'm going to remember that one. There was also an actual game that went on tonight. Uh, we've got specific things to go through, but I think, I think this, was, this was all important to hit on um, because this isn't a one game thing, right? Like, Cat, Ant, D'Lo, and for those of you who listened uh, to when I had Adam Mara's on, who who covers the Denver Nuggets, we we sort of talked about this dynamic of he talked about how Jokic was the first guy in, and then Jamal Murray came, and then Michael Porter Jr. came, and how those three kind of the order in which they came in made the leadership dynamics kind of even out, and and you know this is not in a good way or a bad way or whatever. It's just Ant has a ceiling that is for sure higher than Michael Porter Jr. and might be higher than Cat. And with that, you have some leadership dynamics that are going to, you know, not going to be a problem. If it's a problem, it's a good problem to have. I mean, you'd have a chance that you have a player on your team who could be even better than Carl Anthony Towns, who is a two-time all-star, all-NBA player, one of the best centers in the league. Like, this is this is a good puzzle to have, but it's a but it's a big picture puzzle that, you know, needs to be solved. They, teams exceed expectations by growing, you know, and, and growing through tricky things like that. And I think this is a key area that the Wolves need to grow. If they figure it out in a couple of years from now are the real deal, 
you know, they will have solved this puzzle. And after tonight, I mean, me personally, Dane, I feel more confident that might happen because I think Ants put himself into the mix. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, talk about actual basketball, and uh, talk about a couple things that stuck out, stood out in, in tonight's loss, and then also a few things I want to discuss looking forward to Milwaukee on Wednesday and then Denver on Saturday. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today, to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, we are back talking about the Timberwolves' nine-point loss to the New Orleans Pelicans on Monday night. Uh, one thing I want to make sure to hit on here, because it struck me, is the way the Wolves closed the game. The Wolves found themselves down 90-79 to 79 with eight minutes left in the game, and that's when Finch went to a real closing lineup for the first time this season. He subbed in Jade McDaniels for Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell for Jordan McLaughlin, and most notably, I guess, Malik Beasley for Patrick Beverly. 
Cat and Ant were already on the floor. So that was a closing lineup of D'Lo, Beasley, Ant, McDaniels, and Cat. That was the lineup some of us thought might be this season's starting lineup with Beasley in place of where Josh Okogie has been starting. Now, I think the context of the score here is, is critical. You know, the Wolves were down 11 with eight minutes to go. So, like, they got a score. And to that end, I think the logic checks out that playing Beasley over Okogie makes some sense. The problem was while the Wolves were pursuing this offense, they couldn't rebound during their comeback. I mean, Valanciunas just pummeled the Wolves on the glass all night, but particularly in that stretch. Valanciunas had 23 rebounds tonight, nine offensive rebounds. The Wolves' small lineup with Beasley in could not stop him. And I understand the risk Finch had to take here. This isn't this isn't me saying Finch did something wrong. This is just our first kind of anecdote to, you know, the, the imbalance that this roster has in ways. It was another example of the Wolves not having the necessary size to accompany the scoring that they do have. I felt a lot like Finch had to choose between scoring or rebounding at the end. And I asked him about that after the game. Here's what Finch had to say. I think your defense probably wasn't as cohesive as it was in the first two games. Mm-hmm. But when you did defend well, you're still getting burned on the offensive glass. Does that, does that get demoralizing, especially if you're not shooting well with, at your end and you come down and you, you make what amounts to pretty good stops and then somebody gets an offensive rebound and you either have to reset or you're down too anyway for that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the offensive rebounds – been part of the game, like second most effective play type start. So, you know, anytime you can limit those, obviously you're helping yourself. But I don't know if it's demoralizing. I'm just it, we just got to compete, you know. And we had smaller lineups out there at times, just try to generate some offense. And that was probably the counter to it was, you know, we're gambling that we could go on a little bit of an offensive run, maybe give up some tough, tough rebounds. That's kind of what I was going to ask, Chris. It seemed like in the fourth quarter you went with offense with an offensive closing lineup there and, and the rebounds were there. How, how do you go about, is there a way to kind of to strike the balance between both of those where you need the offense and the rebounds at the end of the games? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we just, you know, we, we, we just got to, I mean, we got to rebound. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's the lineup we decided to go with. Um, and, you know, I guess we could have maybe tried to go on big with or left Bando on there. Uh, but we just, we just thought we were, going to hit a run offensively, so just need a few shots. To Patrick Beverly had a similar answer to that when he was asked about the rebounding after the game, and like Finch, the answer is just, like, we got to get the rebounds. I just I just wonder if they have the roster to be able to get those rebounds. Through three games, the answer seems to be they do not. The Wolves have now allowed 35.9% of their opponents missed shots to be offensive rebounded. That ranks last in the league. And the 29th ranked team is allowing 31.0% of offensive rebound rate, which means the Wolves are not only last in rebounding or defensive rebounding, but they are last by like a mile. I'm not, honestly, I'm not really sure what the answer is here. I think probably a lot of people's thought is the answer might not be on the roster, but we do have to kind of focus on the roster. And as Finch mentioned, you can, I think the most 
obvious dot to connect, whether it's right or wrong, is that you could play a little bit bigger with Vanderbilt at the four at the cost of some offense. But really, other than that, like, there aren't too many other options for going bigger yet. Like, they could try Cat and Nas together. We haven't seen that yet this season, but Nas hasn't been good defensively at all this year, guarding or rebounding. I mean, tonight, neither Nas nor Vanderbilt had a single rebound. Which leads me to think, like, the internal answer here on this team, like, yes, you know, Vanderbilt, Nas rebound a little bit better, but if you're not going to be able to play them out there with them, like, the answer is the guards and perimeters. Like, they need to rebound a lot better or be a, a lot more intentional about it. They kind of got to be the ones who just go and do it, as Finch said. And that, like, I'm going through the roster. That brings me to Patrick Beverly. I think the Wolves are really going to need Beverly to be a good rebounder, which is something he has been in his career for his position. Tonight, Beverly only had two rebounds, but I did feel he was a real positive in this game. So Patrick Beverly is going to be tonight's forgotten star of the game, our little sponsored segment here by Forgotten Star Brewery. I really did feel Beverly had a very good game, even if he did only have those two rebounds. We've We've seen the defensive chops from him. We 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 saw that in the preseason. We saw it in his debut um, in the first New Orleans game. But tonight, I thought it was really encouraging to see his shooting kick in. Beverly made four of his five three-point attempts while the rest of the Wolves roster shot 11 of 45 from deep. I mean, the shooting has been quiet overall from the Wolves thus far this year. And, and Beverly can be a real boost for this team. He should have good catch-and-shoot options. And historically... Over the past four or five years, you know, he's been a 40-plus percent catch-and-shoot, you know, three-point shooter. So, obviously, Beverly Beverly is defense. Beverly is a spot-up shooting option. He's also, you know, a big part of the leadership dynamic we were talking about in the first half of the pod. Um, you see that on the bench at the games. He's the vet. He's the guy, you know, talking to Cat, talking to the players, just saying, you know, we need to stop talking to the refs now like we've crossed that line of this isn't helping us anymore. So I think Beverly obviously is a is a pretty critical player um, you know, for the season as a whole. But but tonight, I, I do think he was the forgotten star of this game for what he brought as a defender and as a shooter. If you're looking for a brewery to check out this week or this weekend, do check out Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley. That's where Britt and I did our live show this summer. It's a great big space. And if you mention the podcast when you go, they'll give you a dollar off each of your beers. That's Forgotten Star Brewery. All right, a couple other things I want to get to. Um, first, we can actually talk about the Wolves' next game because they do not, again, play the Pelicans. So we can look ahead to the next opponent, which is the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee on Wednesday. Uh, the Bucks played the Indiana Pacers on Monday night. And they got their third one of the season in that game. So they will be 3-1 and one coming into their matchup against the Wolves. I obviously did not get to watch that Pacers game because it was at the same time as the Wolves game. But I did get the chance to watch the Bucks' first three games. They won their opener against Brooklyn. I'm assuming a lot of you got the chance to watch that on opening night. Uh, the Bucks' second game I watched was against Miami Heat. And they lost by 42 points. And then also, I watched their third game uh, this afternoon against San Antonio, uh, which they won against the Spurs. So again, 3-1. and one. And I want to really, the thing I want to really, or just what really stood out to me from, from all of those games, 
but particularly, I guess, the, the, the latter ones, was that Brooke Lopez is out and this team is very small. Uh, Brooke Lopez has not played since the opener and Bobby Portis has also been out. So the Bucks are thin in the front court. I mean, obviously, you know, elephant in the room, Giannis, Giannis is still a beast down there, but he's now starting at center rather being than being like the load he normally is at power forward. The tweak uh, Budenholzer has made without Lopez is starting Pat Connaughton at power forward next to Giannis, Middleton, Grayson Allen, and Drew Holiday. I mean, it kind of sounds like a Wolves type team. That is not a, that is not a a big group. That's one big and you know four perimeters, which I think is actually a good sign for the Wolves. It's it's actually a real opportunity. You know, Con- Connaughton is obviously not a big forward option, but the but the Bucks get even kind of smaller once they go to their bench. Giannis's brother Thanasis Atenakupo, who is much shorter than Giannis, has been uh, he's been playing backup center with Lopez and Portis out. And they've also been playing their rookie, Sandrew Mamu Kelishvili. I think I said that right, at power forward. It's, they're terrible. I mean, it's a really, really bad front court. It's small, and those just are not, you know, clear rotation players in the NBA, which that's an opportunity for the Wolves. I know most of you probably aren't, like, giving the Wolves much of a chance against Milwaukee after what we just witnessed, you know, Valanciunas do. You just kind of think, all right, well, if they got pummeled by the Pelicans, like, you know, what are the Bucs going to do? But I I actually think the Wolves have a chance. You know, I, in any game where I'm not really concerned about size for this team, I think the Wolves have enough talent to, to be in the game. Yes, there is still Giannis. I'm not, like, trying to bury that. That will be a huge test. But the rest of the roster is not big. I am curious to see how the Wolves decide to guard Giannis. I do think if Lopez were healthy, that this would be a pretty obvious game to start Vanderbilt, have Vando on Giannis and put Cat on Lopez. But with no Lopez, it's, uh, I mean, the Wolves can stay small and they could leave a Kogi in the starting lineup to be the power forward if, you know, if Connerton's going to be the matchup there. But that would put Cat on Giannis. And obviously Giannis is a task for anyone, but given Cat's foul trouble, you know, this is kind of extra concerning. I just, I don't, I don't know what the other option is. I don't know how else the Wolves would match up. If the Bucs, again, start Holiday, Allen, Middleton, Connaughton, and Giannis, like, sure, you could start Vando to put on Giannis, but then who does Cat guard? Connaughton? Middleton? Grayson Allen? I mean, I don't know. It seems like a situation where Finch will opt to stay small in that game, Uh, you know, Maybe it's like Torian Prince instead of, in you know, instead of a Kogi. Maybe he goes with that closing. Maybe he starts the closing lineup and maybe Malik Beasley starts. I just don't think it's a game that the Wolves have to do big. And I think going into the season, when we're mapping out the season, looking at the matchups, we go, okay, you know, that's one of the highlight games where big team going to get bruised, need to start Vando. Like, that's just not, that's not the case. One final note on Milwaukee. Um, they are one of those teams in the league who still plays that deep drop defensive coverage, which as we know from watching the Wolves, that opens up the mid-range. And while I know D'Angelo Russell has not played well thus far, I do think this game against Milwaukee and the way that they guard could be an opportunity for D'Lo to get going. They will give him that mid-range if he wants to take it. You know, probably after... 
you know, the way he's been shooting, a lot of you are saying like, no, no, no. But, you know, you got to hope with D'Lo that he has a, you know, he's a short memory and is, you know, is able to confidently step into the shots that he's going to take. What I will say is like, we've seen D'Lo in those type of situations before against these type of defenses have success. I mean, remember the, when the Wolves played against D'Lo when he was on the Warriors, the game where D'Lo had 50? I mean, that's back when the Wolves were in that deep drop defense, giving D'Lo the mid-range shot. Like, he can make that. Obviously, that night, that 50-point night, he was making it at a really high clip. And obviously, those Wolves weren't the Milwaukee Bucks. But, again, my point is, these Bucks aren't exactly the Milwaukee Bucks either. Like, Lopez being out changes a ton for them. And even if Lopez does play, like, their defense still concedes those mid-range shots. I do think... I do think it's an opportunity for D'Lo to get going, and uh, my little prize picks things I've been doing. I, I think I'll, I think I'll take over on the points for D'Angelo Russell. I think maybe it'll go down a little bit after what's happened. I don't know. I, I think it's an opportunity for him. Speaking of those picks, my uh, my credibility went down a little bit in prize picks tonight. I w- I was five and two on those picks through the first two games, where these are these prize picks. If you haven't been listening, I've been talking about them. These are prize picks. Um, is a daily fantasy game where you can just pick over under on stats. I was five and two on them, but tonight I went one and three. I had Jaden McDaniels over six and a half points and over four rebounds. He only had three points and two rebounds. I felt confident about that, but that was not a good call. I am just, as an aside, I am just shocked how slow McDaniels has started thus far. I mean, obviously part of it is, what Ant was talking about, like they got to get him the ball, they got to get him some touches. But McDaniel's has started real slow this year. I also had Ant under two and a half made threes in this game. Uh, I thought he would look to attack the basket a little bit more, but <laughs> in that third quarter alone, he made three threes, so I got that one wrong. The one I did get right was again I, I took the over on Nikhil Alexander Walker um, for rebounds. Is it was five and a half was the line there. I took the over. Um, the Wolves defense is really susceptible to, to guards getting rebounds, <laughs> uh, offensive rebounds. And I just saw that over under for Alexander Walker at five and a half, and he had 14 rebounds in the last game against the Wolves. So I seemed pretty obvious to me. I jumped on that one. I got that one right. He had seven rebounds tonight. So one and three, that puts me at six and five on the year, still over 500. Um, again, I'm tweeting all those picks about an hour before every game. If you want to jump on any of them, or you can go your own way and take any of the other props they have out there. It's normally like for the Wolves and their opponent, like four or five players, points, stats, or points, assists, rebounds, and uh, made threes. You can you can pick an over or under on any of those. It's just, I, I kind of like it because it's super easy. You know, it's not a complicated scoring system. Uh, you just You just kind of guess what you think the stats are going to be in the game and, you know, Make your picks accordingly. Just download the Prize Picks app, deposit some money, pick an over or under on some real basic stats. It's super easy. I will say if you do make an account, make sure to use the promo code Dane. Uh, that'll give you a hundred bucks sign up bonus. They'll match whatever your sign up is, and also helps me uh, keeps Prize Picks sponsoring this segment. All right, long pod tonight. I don't know. I wanted to play all that ant stuff because. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it might be important. I, I wanted to share all of it. Uh, we'll see where this whole leadership dynamic goes. I'm 
obviously just a guy over here with a microphone. I don't know anything for sure. I don't know how to be a leader in an NBA locker room. These are just my hunches from, from covering the team, being around the players a little bit. Again, the Wolves play in Milwaukee on Wednesday night. Then they're back home against Denver on Saturday. Two big ones. Giannis, Jokic. Should be fun. Should be fun. It'll be a test for the Wolves against, um, you know, teams that are better than Houston and New Orleans. I will talk to all you after that Wednesday game, but I'm also going to have Britt pop on Tuesday afternoon to record with me. So look for that Britt pod on probably later on Tuesday. You're probably listening to this on Tuesday. So Tuesday evening, another episode um, will show up in your podcast player. Whatever happens with the, with this team, we're going to keep talking about it. Until I talk to you with Britt, I'm Dane. Thanks for listening. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.